this episode of the No Limits podcast, we have another interview for you. Um, this is with a friend of mine, a former Royal Marine turned professional actor, Tommy Roberts, a.k.a. Tip Cullen. Tip Cullen is his stage name as he is storming the acting world and taking over, landing many, many high-profile leading roles. Um, and I spoke to Tommy because I think it is extremely interesting, the, the career path that he's chosen, and it's very inspiring. If you listen to the podcast, you'll understand what I mean. But this guy joined the Corps, I'm not going to tell you the whole story, joined the Royal Marines at a very young age from a a difficult background. Um, so right from the very beginning, it was it was hard for him to um, to make that leap. He served a career that spanned over 30 years. He did one of the most challenging and demanding jobs while he was in the Corps, made his way all the way to the top, and then switched fire extremely far um, in a different direction, which I think is awesome um, because I know personally uh, from friends, from speaking to people, there are a lot of guys serving now, not just in the Royal Marines, but in the military who, and, and I did this myself way, way, way back in 2006, who when they leave, they, for some reason, think they have to do a similar kind of job, whether it be close protection, some other form of security, something big and macho and alpha male and, and what we call Gucci, when really they have a passion inside that they want to pursue, which for some reason they don't pursue. Well, Tommy had the courage to pursue his passion and You'll find out what it is if you listen to the podcast. Like I said, it's very inspiring. He's an awesome guy, someone I'm proud to call a friend. Have a listen, and as always, let me know what you think and share this with anyone that you think might want to listen to it. Enjoy. Tommy, thank you, mate, for coming on to the Charlie Charlie One podcast. Uh, it's an honour to have you here, mate. I appreciate you giving up your time because I know you're super busy. I've been following what you do on social media, uh, and I've been to, to, uh, to see you... Mm-hmm. In the flesh, uh, I don't want to give too much away at the minute because this is going to this is going to come towards the end of the podcast. But thank you for coming on, mate. What I really want to do is is tell your story uh, from the beginning, if you don't mind, uh, all the way through your career, and then I want to talk about what you do now because I think it is going to be very inspirational for a lot of lads who are either thinking about leaving the core or who have left, and there's something they really want to do something they're passionate about but for some reason they're they're holding themselves back and i think by hearing about your story uh, it's really going to help motivate people and steer them in a direction to do what it is they want to do and what they're passionate about so let's start at the beginning uh, we had a little chat off air um you told me a few things i didn't know but let's start where you grew up in belfast in what what year what era it's <laughs> quite quite a few years ago, <laughs> but but thanks thanks for having me, Mark. And it's uh, I think we should have done this ages ago, but yeah. it's been a while. So I grew up in a, a as a young Catholic Irish lad in uh, Belfast. I sort of come back. I sort of come from the uh, I think the sort of like archetypal sort of Irish Catholic background. You know, went to school with the Christian Brothers. I went to priest seminary college, grammar school, and then bizarrely, I I joined the Royal Marines. Which is, I suppose, is a 
considered to be quite you know a, a diverse or a you know a, a strange choice but for me it was like a destiny for me I sort of like you know went through went gone through school and that and I just sort of like latched onto this thought of being a Royal Marines commando and it was I suppose in hindsight now it's very very strong decision to make possibly not by me but definitely for my parents to to support me doing what I did and and I have to admit I I still love my parents massively and and I respect them for letting me have their choice to move forward and do what I wanted to do which because of the restriction of the culture and at the times and the troubles in Belfast I'm very proud for them to make that choice and do it so if I hadn't been for them I couldn't have really liberated myself and not liberated myself I love I'm always an Irish man I always am a green woman when Ireland are playing rugby so but it's uh, that ability to sort of have a choice in life and not be restricted by you know you know there's boundaries there that you know are imposed upon you you just got to go and do it and and my family let me do it so I I joined Her Majesty's Finest and uh, what a roller coaster that's been so we all know it all of us have been through training you join up at Limston you get off that train and you're like oh my god yeah what's it all about and then that period of your life is you up until that stage I'd never done anything as hard or as arduous both physically and mentally uh, up to that stage how, how old were you when you joined up I was 17 but probably because of the sort of dark background really because I've got obviously as most people in Ireland have I have family members that were involved in different organisations you know back back in Ireland and uh, it may have delayed my entrance into the corps for some reason for security checks but I, okay. I got through them in the end uh, and so I got my O-level results, walked straight down to the, uh, which weren't very good, <laughs> I went straight down to the careers office and uh, joined, uh, asked to join the Royal Marines. And from there, it was about six, seven months, and then I got my PRC, as it was then, before PRMC, mm-hmm. uh, and joined up, and that was 1986. So that's when I joined the, the Beloved Corps. And I have to admit, even now, and I've got, I've got two sons that are Royal Marines now as well, but uh, I think that's the the most positive decision I've ever made in my life. Yeah, set you on a good path for the future. Oh, completely. And I think for for any young person, especially young men, that choice really is, is I mean, it's, it's for individuals to do, but that choice for me was, was probably the most positive choice that, that I made and, and no regrets and, and no look back. And again, I'm lucky to have survived the roller coaster since then. But it was it was incredible. And that test, and that test you get as a young man going there, uh, being you know, I mean, you think about it. I come from Belfast, so culturally and everything, it's completely different. I had no family that were in the military, so mm-hmm. the military organisation. I was never in the cadets. I was never in anything else. I just okay. had a focus to be right. I'm going to be a Royal Marines commando. So, and I focused. So I was, I suppose, in a way, I was like a, you know. I was I was unmolded, so they they could ply and they, a piece of putty they could sort of make me and you know create what they wanted. Mm-hmm. But all I had like was, and it was it's good obviously the support from your family. It's just my mother saying, look, if you give a hundred percent and you do, you focus and give everything you want, mm-hmm. you it'll happen. And in the Royal Marines, it's strangely it does. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But again, you have to focus and you have to do it. And if you learn that from you know day one, week one, that's the, that's what I learned, and I'm going. And I put me in good stead for the rest of my career, mm-hmm. but you do have to do it. And there's there's a strange thing, and I have in the hindsight as well. Looking back in hindsight, there's a reason you are a Royal Marines commander when you have those flashes on, because it is 
extremely hard mm-hmm. and there are times it could be extremely dangerous yeah. and there's times you've got to do that extra little bit just to make things happen and I think uh, the Corps and, and the Commando Brigade we do that you know in spades No mate I, I joined at 17 as well and I'm always honest about this I, I struggled at how to training half the time I didn't know what was going on um, you know 17 year old thrown in with 62 other men all older than I think I was the second youngest in my troop everyone else you look around they seem to know what they're doing and I'm just kind of cuffing my way through it now I, I know about a lot of the things you did in your career from what you know we've been friends a while now what we just spoke about off air um, and we'll talk about that all in a minute but how did you how did you find training what was difficult for you because speaking to you offline it wouldn't seem like anything would be difficult for you um, but I'm sure there were one or two things no I think I, to be honest it's the for training it's the intensity and that that full on because you've got to remold yourself your personal administration the physical challenges really are completely new you don't do fizz like that before you join you know and even guys that are provide like you no know, high level football and rugby they still don't push that level in yeah. that type of fitness so it's that you know the intensity and the duration i think that because i was because i was young but i was very I think I was very strong-minded and it wasn't going to overcome me. But there were times where there was those lonely phone calls. There was no mobile phones in those days. There was right. lonely phone calls. Oh, yeah. Back to your, <laughs> back to your family. With those little, you used to get the green cards and you used to go to the, get in the queue, the phone, and ring back home going, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. But in a way, you do, mm-hmm. but you need your parents or some sort of support to give it to go, you are doing the right thing. You know, just keep focused and keep going. And, and I think that that's... That's you know, information or knowledge that it works across the spectrum everywhere. Mm-hmm. If you just got to do it, you got to. You are everyone feels like that in whatever spectrum of life. There's mm-hmm. times where they're going, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing, but persistence and focus will get you through in the end. You know what I mean? And we better luck as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did, I mean, did you ever? I don't want to. <laughs> I end up going down this rabbit hole sometimes talking yeah. about my experiences, but I always remember the difficult times. And, you know, when you want to rap and quit and, and go home, because I, you know, I only lived 45 minutes from Limston, but I always knew that the minute I stood on that bone rattler train to go into Exeter, yeah. I'd feel like, you know, yeah. I'd feel real bad. And uh, instantly, you, did, you didn't I knew, say I the word. Swore, um, <laughs> I'd instantly regret it. So, you know, I, I don't know much about Northern Ireland. Yeah. You know, I, I missed all that in my career. I was only born in in '83. <laughs> I was three uh, years old when you joined. Yeah, say la vie. Say but la vie. did you, you know, did you, did that ever run through your mind? Like, well, what am I going to do when I go? If if I give up now and I don't pass this training, what am I going to do? If I have to go back home, you know, yeah. and, and what will I do when I get back there? I mean, it, I mean, times have really changed that. I mean, when I when I did join up, nobody really knew that I'd gone off to join the Royal Marines. Right. Uh, so it was only my family. But with it, because because I'd said it was my destiny, I felt it was my destiny, I had to achieve it. There's no way I could have went, I can't do this. Mm. You know what I mean, it, it was just something. And I don't know, if, is that something you have before? In a way, probably you do have it before. You have that mindset, I think, because I think there's a... No, I wouldn't say it. Everyone's capable. Anyone can be a Royal Marine Commando. Any, any, you know, any person can focus and become a Royal Marine Commando. But it's that commitment and focus, and I think I did have it because it was no. This is it. This is I'm, I'm deciding this. I own this. This is mine. Mm-hmm. You know, for having, and you got to keep that. And if you do, it's if you don't keep that goal in your sights, 
really you, you're losing the focus and that right. you know what I mean so you've got to and you've got to train yourself to do it and for me there were times where I'm going maybe I'm not capable of this maybe this is just you know yeah, some sort yeah. of like mm-hmm. you know imagine but again it goes back to well no it doesn't matter if it's your imagination it's what you can do and and for me and I think even all the things I've done which have been, have been very close to the wire every time I've done it I've always looked left and right and back in history and looked forward and went other people have done this you know yeah, yeah other people have done this this is a normal human mm-hmm. being thing you can achieve this and that goes into even high intensity operations and that there you're going no 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 people have done this before mm-hmm. just think of your training you know think you're going to do and especially when you I mean you've been there Mark you know that when it does come to those high intensity in that life or death situation especially if you're a commander you're looking around at your guys and they're looking at you mm-hmm. and you in a way have to be an actor don't you you have to go ah I know potentially I could possibly die today, but however, I'm looking at you guys. Don't worry about it, lads. We'll be okay. Right. Follow me, and that's it. But it's very, you know, in a way, there's there's a lot of. It's not bravado because you're certain, but you look at those guys, and they're going to be the support that's going to make you achieve your aim. Mm-hmm. And I suppose in training, it's exactly the same. When we're in training, you look around the guys and my friends that I was in training with. They're still some of my closest friends, you know what I mean? And yeah. that's like three, three years ago. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's fast forward through all of that, all the ups and downs, the highs and lows, the the cold, the wet, the lack of sleep, lack of food. Oh, I love all that. No, you don't. <laughs> well, maybe you do actually. We'll talk about that in a minute. But um, you pass out of training. Coming towards the end of that training, did you have a solid idea of where you were going to take your career? Oh, yeah. I mean, at the time, uh, it's quite weird. Before I joined, just before I joined up, the the TV program at the time, I wanted to join the Royal Marines from, I was seven years old. Tried to join when I was seven years old. But seven? They, yeah. There was, you know, the uh, advertisement in the paper back in Belfast, and I filled it in, sent it off, and I got the brochures and everything when I was seven, like, obviously, okay. you know, and, and, but unfortunately, I was too young at the time to join mm-hmm. up. So, and my father went, you'll grow out of it. <laughs> obviously, I didn't. But, uh, so... Fast forward, well, how did I drop that one? Say again? So, right, so, uh, how I? Lost, lost my train of thought there. Right, uh, so I also wanted to do, but just before I actually started training, there was uh, this program called Behind the Lines on, on the telly, and it was about Royal Marines Mountain Leaders. I've heard of it. Yeah, and it's it's still, I think it still holds, holds court. If you look at it on uh, YouTube, whatever else in that, it is an incredible program, and, and a lot of the main actors, are the, the main players in it, are really good friends of mine now, which was bizarre because they were like sort of pseudo heroes. I watched on the TV yeah. going, I want to be one of those. Mm-hmm. That to me was, you know, the, and then when I did, when I was in training, I was focusing on like, what unit? I want to go to Norway, so I need to go to a 4 2 commander or a 4 5 commander. Oh, okay. So I gone, right, I'll put in for 4 2. Got 4 2 commander because I wanted to go to Norway. Mm-hmm. Wanted to get in reconnaissance, you know, so, you know, and that was. It was sort of all, always in a band, and I'd do this, and, and I was my first section commanders, and that were either SCs or MLs, and I was that going, and I was going, oh, and that's it. And I'm strange enough, my first section commander in Norway was one of the guys that was on behind the lines. So, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so it was that, oh. And, but I, and that sort of um, endorsed the path that I wanted, so I was always going to be an ML. Mm-hmm. And uh, I strayed for about... I think about six lengths in a swimming pool to go down to pool. Okay. But uh, that was because I was working with a, a bunch of guys who are good friends of mine who ended up going down to pool. 
but I was like, well, you know, when you again, it's that destiny thing. No, no, I'm I'm supposed to be an ML. Yeah. So that was that was my path. You know, I mean, and in a spooky, I suppose it's why I end up doing night. But it's just that now that's it. So when it, when you get pulled a deviant and going, no, but that 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 has to be scratched first. That has to be done first mm-hmm. before you know. And then if I feel that path, then you, you you'll follow it. Right now, I would say I guess ninety five percent of our listeners are in the core family. But for the percentage that are potentially out and out civvies, can you can you quickly explain what an ML is? Because oh. it is something that I would never have wanted to do, oh, <laughs> um, and they terrified me. Not only in training, but as a trained rank walking around units, I would always avoid anywhere the MLs were uh, because of what they do to you in training. But just tell us a little bit about what that entails and what you specialise in. Well, I. I- I think that's a bit unfair. That no, <laughs> a lot not. of the listeners go, oh, but I, I think feared in some sort of ways, possibly. But that's that's history, I think. But with it, right, Royal Marines mountain leaders are uh, the the instructors. It's Corporal Two level uh, at entry point, and it, it has changed. It's went to Marine entry, but now it's gone back to Corporal ML Two. So it's an okay. ML Two Corporal entry level. So it's an instructor's. In it, it mainly, so they instruct in uh, mountainous and cold weather warfare. So you're operations. always cold. In the love snow. a bit of cold. Love right. a bit of rain. Special. Always wet. Yeah. Ski borne operations, uh, but they're also the the forward reconnaissance element or the pre advanced force, pre landing force. Sorry for uh, three commander brigades. So they'll send guys to do the reconnaissance uh, in a cold weather environment or a mountainous environment mm-hmm. or even in you know jungle environments as part of the uh, SRS. Uh, and then with it, there are other jobs and in a unit that we were working mainly in the recce troops but however we we do have guys that are in the rifle company so they'll do section co- commander mm-hmm. there'll be a section commander within a in a rifle company but um, the main thing is is that we we deliver the uh the ability which was still it's still laid down in what the core is instructions we have to be able to do a cliff assault or a, yeah. a vertical assault so it's be able to get a commander unit or a body of men over a vertical assault which would be a cliff face it could be a mountain pass it could be wherever so it's that ability to get the commandos from one point a to point b mm-hmm. overcoming uh, different obstacles and the, the the mls would guide train and lead people in these environments okay um yeah i i so if you've it, got a fear of heights, it's maybe not, you know. No, see, I, I love doing all that stuff in training. And ML, I don't just say this because you're sitting in front of me, and, and a lot of my friends are MLs, and I always had the utmost respect for them because, for me, it was it, it was on par with the, the lads at Paul. From, you know, I was a young Marine um, looking for my, my pathway. But, um, it, you know, I, all I saw was people that were in the snow, cold, wet, nails. But, <laughs> and it. I was like... Yeah, I want to sit in a in a vehicle cab with a pasty and a cup of tea, and I'll watch those guys doing that, and I'm quite happy uh, just sitting back and watching. But when you decided that, then so early on in your career, you know, you know what you want to do. You've seen behind the lines. You're you're dedicated to that. You go out, you do that. Yeah. You achieve that, and then you're on your way. And I mean, is that what you did? You I, I don't know. Sorry, forgive yeah. me. But did you? No, no. The the, the story, the ML two, because I seen behind the lines. My only. Yeah, my destiny in the Corps was to be an ML2 corporal in the Mike not an Arctic Warfare cadre or as it was BPT, the Brigade Patrol Troop. Mm-hmm. So when I got to that position, I was a substantive corporal, uh, an ML2 corporal in Brigade Patrol Troop. I thought, this is it. 
my mission is achieved. This is what I want to do. And then and that was that was the height of it. You, yeah, that was happy. it. But that was my that was my target. That okay. that to me. And I'm doing my ML twos course, and I came top of it, which was quite tough. Okay, let's get that you in there. I mean? Yeah, I've got, got you know what I mean. It's <laughs> cheap, I know, but cheap is good. Get it in there. Yeah, I've got worse. I'm more cheaper now. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, so when I achieved that, that to me was right. That's it. That, that I really sort of like you know the feeling I had was wonderful, uh, and that was that was it basically. It's bizarre because my son's an ML2 corporal now as well, which is spooky. Oh, is he really? Yeah. So we, uh, so once I'd done that, and I, I was happy. Then all of a sudden, uh, my OC at the time was George Matthews, uh, Captain George Matthews, major captain, uh, and he was officer commander in the ML company. Mm-hmm. He called me in and said, oh, "Right, uh, uh, Tommy, uh, this is it. Uh, you're on your senior command course." And I'm like, "Wow, no, 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 no. I'm I'm a corporal." ML2 in Brigade Patrol Troop. That, that's that's what I'm here for. That's what I want to do. I don't want to be a sergeant. And it's one of those things, but you have to... You, this is it. You've well, got why, to move on. Why didn't you want to be a sergeant? Because of the difference in the job, what it would entail? Well, no, but I, yeah, because I, I felt that that was the... Because all I wanted to be in the Corps, let's say, was was a, an operator, a, you, right. know, a, you know, that, either a Marine or a Corporal, mm-hmm. carrying on with it. And obviously it changes in time, but at that time, that's what I wanted to be. If I became a troop sergeant, your troop sergeant, you're, it's another little step. Yeah. Whereas you, 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 to me, it's always about that section and that corporal. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, I think even my measurement of people in the Royal Marines now is, you know, would you have them in your section? Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's yeah, a, it's, yeah. not, it's never met anyone. Would you have them in your section? Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's, 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 that's it. And that, that just shows you where it sits with me, mm-hmm. where the reality of, Operators said, you know, in, in our corps. Yeah. Yeah. So, but troop sergeant, brilliant job. Love being a troop sergeant. Uh, love being an ML1 uh, team commander. And, and that's when I got caught up really in quite an operational bubble as a sergeant, really. So I, I got done, done my seniors, done my ML1, Mount Leader Class 1s course. And then I went to, I spent five years in operations. So I went 98, 99, was in Northern Ireland. 2000, 2001 uh, in Kosovo, mm-hmm. 2002 in Afghanistan, and 2003 in Iraq. Okay. And that was as a, as a team commander when Brigade Patrol Troop, up until, sorry, Iraq when I was a colour sergeant and I was second in command of Brigade Patrol Troop. Well, what was it like then, um, you know, going back to Ireland now as a, a stripey in the Corps, mountain leader, having grown up there, now you're back deployed there. I, I yeah. mean, I can't I mean, even imagine what that would have been like. I mean, I, 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 I'll, I'll not go into the, the sort of like work I've done, done in Ireland, you know, uh-huh. as I think, but yeah. I, I'll, I, I enjoyed it. And this is, again, I'm not a politician. I'm a Royal Marine who's, right. who's now doing what I do. But uh, for me, I, I, I had to be there to make sure that, you know, for me, it was to stop Irish people killing Irish people, killing Scottish people, killing British people, killing Polish people. It's for me to just stop Irish people doing that mm-hmm. and find, you know, a a peaceful way forward, you know what I mean? Which, you know, it does. And hopefully, fingers crossed, you know, that's that's the way it's going now. But that that I didn't it was for me it was fully supportive of of being an Irish person and supporting, you know, the people off the island, you know, mm-hmm. whether they consider themselves Northern Irish or, you know, Republican Irish or it it didn't matter. It was Irish people just going like let's just stop this, you know what I mean? And and I thought I I, I did my bit to, you know, preserve that, you know what I mean? And, you know I mean? Just stop them killing each other. Mm-hmm. And that's what it was about, you know, yeah. that's what I feel. And that's that's me not being a politician, that's me just yeah, being a human course, being, you yeah. know I mean? And then, sorry, you said Kosovo after that? Yeah, I went to Kosovo. And Bosnia? 
Yeah, Kosovo, we went in, I was in Brigade Patrol Troop. We had a very busy, very successful and fruitful tour mm -hmm. with uh, doing surveillance and, you know, uh, sort of covert stuff in uh, around, you know, in, in Kosovo itself on the borders was Serbian. It was, it was, in, yeah, it was a very, very good, tour, very productive tour. And we were, I think we were, we were moving forward with the technology uh, in surveillance and reconnaissance and, okay. and, and, you know, and, and we were, I think we were, we're pioneers in a way for, for, you know, getting results with it mm -hmm. as well. And then on to some of the more, you know, current conflicts. Again, we talked about a couple of these off-air and whatever you're comfortable talking about. Um, maybe starting with Telek in Iraq. Yeah, well, obviously, we went, I was in Jakarta first, which was obviously the year before. 2002. 2002. Mm -hmm. You said you went there, didn't you? No, I, I uh, finished training in 2001, yeah. was trained for Jakarta, but never went. Yeah. Um, we done Jakarta and then come back, which again, for us, it was, it was a few feisty moments. But we were fully like, you know, we, we, we fully Im embedded in a lot of the mountainous areas and did a lot of good work there as well. But it was quite a, you know I mean? We, we were trying to track down and where was the threat? You know what I mean? Where was the threat? Is, is there going to be... And again, we weren't focusing in the area where we ended up doing operations. We were more over uh, Western Afghanistan. And it, and it was very good. We met some incredible people and some incredible characters. Uh, and, and it could have been quite feisty in a lot of, lot of times. Mm -hmm. But... But we, I think we done, you know, again we were, we had a very successful tour, and we we we, we proved our worth as such as a, as a you know as a formation reconnaissance force, like, okay, and uh, you know so that was successful. And then after that, which not surprise, you know, well, it was very surprising, even though the obviously nine eleven had happened, the world had changed as such. We ended up in Afghanistan, then coming out of that, our focus changed to Iraq, which which again was a surprise, but. We were all Marines and we had to do what we had to do. So You couldn't have had much of a gap between Jakarta and Telic. No, no, we literally came off. We involved, that was when I took, we'd done a, an exercise role Shama after that up in the Isle of Skye. We'd done a reconnaissance exercise mm -hmm. concentra concentration, done that, went, and then as soon as we got back from that, we went out to, in fact, wasn't that was a fourth? Didn't you do Serie Quan? Did you do that? I don't know that. Safe Syria, Safe Syria won't be done. I didn't do that, no. 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 Well, that was before Afghanistan. So, done the Isle of Sky exercise, and when we were when we were up in in Sky, the CEO would come up and give us a brief and said, "Look, we're going to be deploying. Uh, we're going to be uh, going to Iraq. Mm -hmm. You know, and you guys are going to be there working with the US Marines." So, so we deployed on that, and obviously, you know, the story unfolded from there when we lost the lads, and and I sort of had this sort of with with the rest of the team that was left, we had to pick the reins up and and run with the brigade recce force really. Mm -hmm. and after Iraq obviously Herrick took off and that was busy for everybody for like yeah, a yeah. decade so you're deploying you know back to back on there as well at the same time am I right in thinking you were still climbing the promotion ladder oh no like say I wouldn't say it's climbing the promotion ladder it's just doing your job and things fall and fall yeah, 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 yeah no yeah. I get it it is, it's, it's, it's a bizarre thing I've never I don't think I've ever <laughs> climbed the promotion ladder I was just go oh you can promote tonight oh you can promote oh alright oh, alright so I coming out of uh, Iraq and obviously you know it was quite a testy time for our lads we lost mm -hmm. quite a few lads in the helicopter crash uh, you know God bless them and uh, you know we'll, they're always in our thoughts and their families are but then after that I came out of that and I got promoted to Sergeant Major and uh, I went off to Newcastle so when the Herricks sort of like started happening 
I was sort of out of, out of the. That was the first time in my career out of the brigade. Oh, okay. So I was right, right, right. I was unit major at Armour Tyne. Then I come back as at CTC as a wing sergeant major of the command wing. Uh, with the lads going through, which is bizarre because he keep, still keep bumping into guys that were sergeant majors when I took them in. They were going to they're doing their corporal courses and that. Oh, and I was yeah. a sergeant major. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, after that, then I was K Company sergeant major before getting promoted to W one. So you know, I I got the chance and I was a you know company sergeant major. Uh, but the that whole time was it was harder you know in a way because you weren't involved in the kinetic battle I, I got you know, towards Harry 14 then I was mm-hmm. when I, next time I deployed so it was a time and that time I spent was a lot of um, I've done a few burials buried a few of our lads mm-hmm. you know done a bit rap- repatriations and because I was the ML spec advisor towards you know Herrick 9 and that I, I was you know you know, facilitating, looking after injured, like, you know, mountain leaders or people yeah. from that, that, you know, their families and that. And, and again, hopefully, you know, we done as best we can to support them and support the lads. And there's some, like, you know, quality, quality blokes that, that have, like, sustained injuries, like yourself, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, Baz uh, Barrett. Yeah. And when, when I happened to Baz, yeah, Bish, mm-hmm. that, Bish yeah, used to be yeah. one of my Marines and, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he was, even my Marines, I was his troop sergeant. You know I mean? G1. <laughs> oh yeah, but yeah, but, but incredible G one. Yeah, that's uh, right. you just. You know I mean, G one's just it's not managed properly. <laughs> <laughs> and how you know be, being what you just said earlier about you, the pinnacle for you when you were young was to be uh, an ML corporal out on the ground doing the job. Huh. You know, you climbed up, like you say, you got to W one spec advisor. You were kind of, you know, you, you take that more administrative role, then don't you, of, of looking after everybody? And, yeah, but I, as an ML, you still could do the ML spec advisor. So you're still deploying, you're still doing, you're still climbing with the guys, you're still doing. You're, so, so you're you, still operating. You know I mean, so as well you as still doing administrative. Do what you loved, yeah. and what you joined to do, and what you're passionate yeah. about, but at the highest ranks. Yeah. Okay, and then what happened? And then I got commissioned. And then he got commissioned. And then I, and then, but as soon as I got commissioned, I went to thirty commander, which was Stone Ice, mm-hmm. and. I deployed on Herrick 14. I was the uh, liaison officer, ops officer for the Brigade Recce Force. So I was back in the more, more operational fold. Although mm-hmm. I was doing staff work, but I was planning and targeting for them. And and that was, a, again, that, that Herrick for the, the Brigade Recce Force at the time was extremely uh, b- busy, but very fruitful. We got some cracking results. And... Uh, and we brought everyone back, which is which was wonderful. But the the lads in that in in the force, such in in the were, were incredible. Absolutely, some of the, some of the you know the the quality that we had there on the ground mm-hmm. is is second to none. I think in our in our you know in the in the times I've worked you know in the deployments, and I, I got a lot of those guys who remain like you know close friends for the rest of our days, like you know. But they yeah. they were again everything ultra professional, but uh, again with a a smattering of luck which got, got the lads through you know what I mean mm-hmm. so for me what what you've just described is, is pretty much the, I know it isn't yeah. like this in reality because you know it's never that smooth a ride but it's like the picture perfect career you know you come in as a marine you do what you want to do on what you love you climb the ladder you get to the highest rank as an other rank you then commission as an officer all good things come to an end yeah. So obviously, around about this time, you know, you're looking at. Did you do more than twenty two? You must have. Done. Oh yeah, I've done. Oh, what when I left the court after By the regular? Time you, yeah, regular. I've done nearly thirty years. Nearly thirty years yeah. to get to that point, but then. Oh no, no, that's no. From that point, that I'd done. Uh, 
Sorry, I'd done 24 years when I got commissioned, and then I'd done a further six years. As an officer? Yeah. And then it came to an end? Or you, well, had, not to, really. you had to make that decision? or you? No, they, they, again, this is another epiphany moment. It's a bit like when I joined the Corps. I was in, in my office at 4-2. I done, went to 4-2 Commando after 30 Commando. Uh, I was the impress holder. And uh, I was in my office, and I got a career commission... So the opportunity was to stay there, potentially have OF-55 to stay under 55, so there would have been okay. m- more extension. Potentially would have made major, maybe, you know, seeing the way, way things went. Uh, and, you know what I mean? Would have been happy. And, and again, I, all I ever wanted to do was be a Royal Marine. So mm-hmm. I love the Corps, and I still love the Corps. But there was just something about sitting in front of the computer screen wasn't... Floating your boat. Wasn't, and it's not what I joined up for. So yep. it means that, you know what I mean? And up until that point... I haven't really had that right. This is it. For eight years, you'll sit in front of a computer screen and this will be your job. Okay. And that to me wasn't, wasn't. And again, there's people that are wonderful in our core that do that and yeah. are able to deliver it and are brilliant at it. And again, I could do it, but it just wasn't, it wasn't me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I, I was saying, all right, well, what am I going to do? So I sat in my office and went, hmm, right, I'm going to go to university and see what, see what's on at university. So I went up to Marjon met this sort of military liaison guy and said, look, what have we got on? And I was looking at, because we're, we're all Marines, we're, we're great storytellers, aren't we? So yeah. I was looking at creative writing. And I said like, oh, I could tell a story or two. I could do that. So I looked at creative writing, but beside it, there was this uh, acting uh, degree, BA honours in acting. This is what I want to talk about. Yeah. Let's, let's go into this. So but I, I looked at this acting thing and I thought, hmm. And then I tracked back and looked at, what we do in the core and what what we have to do and i think from from a royal marine so as soon as you join in the royal marines and you get through training once you get that single tape in your arm or you're a lance jack or even if you're a senior candidate mm-hmm. you become an actor okay you you become your own right 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 you're stepping up in front of people you giving become something right you're giving a presentation yeah. even yourself mark you're giving presentations yeah, it's like you have acting. to stand up you've got to perform you've got to, you've got to deliver and for me that that was exactly it so i thought Oh no, we've just been actors. And again, even that moment, that operational moment where you're going to go, right, we're going to do a raid uh, in Iraq, we're going to do a raid. I'm looking at the guys, right, we'll go forward here, we'll go that, we'll probably be engaged by the enemy here. Engage everything else up, all orders are given, but you're there and you're, you're giving the orders to the lads. The lads are going, we're going, to, we're going to be, people are going to be shooting at us, we're going to, we're going to be facing death. Mm-hmm. And so in the way, but they're looking at you, you're the commander, and you're going, yeah, yeah, of course you are. Let's just just go with it. That's it, that's it. Any problems, it's not. Think about your actions, your drills, but mm-hmm. you still perform, and you've got to perform to inspire these guys because we're doing what we have to do. And again, with Royal Marines, we're gifted because we've got some incredible mm-hmm. people that are, again, they're going to go there and get amongst it. So I thought, oh, we've sort of always been acting in a way, but, I, you know, for me, it wasn't. It was. It's a bit real. For me, the core was the reality, whereas acting... Is in is unreality. So it's it's like so mm-hmm. rather than you know being in the reality. Now I can go on stage and you know I mean I can pretend I'm in cold weather. I can pretend, yes. I'm, yeah, no, yeah. but I still miss that massively. Yeah. But for that, but the, there was one criteria thing for me transforming becoming an actor after nearly thirty years in the core was my wife said, um, "Could you not join the reserves?" Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Why?" She said. Because after 30 years in the Marines, you leaving and going to university, you will turn into one of the most horrible buffoons I will ever, <laughs> ever meet. And there's no way. Just just do the reserves. And I have to admit, she was completely right. You know, that transformation, that, that move, 
I'm, no, I, I wouldn't say I'm conditioned, but I'm I'm bootneck. I will until mm. until we get put in our box, you know, and sent off wherever we're going. I'm a Royal Marine, so when it came come to doing, I thought right, mm. and I, th- I have to admit, being in the reserves, and I would say this to anyone if if you're thinking or considering doing a new career or doing a transformation from the Royal Marines, just automatically transfer into the reserves because that was that or my transfer gives you that buffer where. If you need that feedback, you know that that you know bootneck mm-hmm. to bootneck chat banter, bit of a break from like you know again performing again in a different sort of environment where you feel secure and safe. It gives you a really a brilliant place, and the RMA, RMA does as well. So yeah. for me, it was it was brilliant that that having the Royal Marines, or being part of the Royal Marines Reserve, and the Royal Marines family still while at university, uh, it it helped me massively. It really Mate, helped I, me. I. Hundred percent back exactly what you said. Yeah. You know, just a little, a little bit of mine. You know, I, I left the corps in two thousand six to do CP, which didn't work out. It was a full on civvy. Never even crossed my mind to join the reserves. Yeah. And, and and I think for a lot of guys, it's similar. That's when you start to go down that that bad yeah. route because I didn't feel like I belonged to anything. Yeah. I I felt like one minute I'm I'm up on this high and I'm this god with the green beret. Next minute. You know, I'm driving a scaffolding truck around Plymouth. And I yeah. remember a particular incident when I was outside Stonehouse Barracks. And I wasn't actually a scaffolder. I just mm. had a HGV license. And uh, the lads are throwing this this scaffold rigging thing up. And every time a car drove past, which I thought would have been one of the lads I knew, I hid behind the truck. <laughs> and, and, it, and it sounds so stupid. But yeah. I was like, they're going to think I'm a bum. Yeah. Because I, I just wasn't part of that elite group anymore. And looking back... I don't know why it didn't cross my mind, but I, I should have instantly went into the reserves. So I just still felt connected. And then I wouldn't have felt so, I don't think ashamed is the word. No, but I even though, so but, but again, I, I mean, for you, I wouldn't have felt ashamed because we do have like, you know, scaffolders and all of that. And that's what the, the beauty of the reserves is. And going, ah, I know a bloke, he's a scaffolder, he's a bootneck, he's a this yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so, and, and it is magical. And I think the way, the way sort of the, the government and everything else, and the, and the the investment in reserve forces is going. It's just a magical thing, and I know I'm I'm slightly crustier than you know the youthful young bootneck I was, but I absolutely really love getting away. I'm officer commanding two raiding troop, uh, so I do all my lads were, were IRC craft operators, so they do like you know beach reconnaissance this sort of stuff, and and they're incredible. They're incredible operators. They're incredible, like you know, bootnecks, but they're also like you know, extremely competent at what they do, okay. and they're and they're massively appreciated by the regular counterparts and one assault group. So that that's really beneficial, yeah. and uh, I, I, you know, I I really enjoy just keeping my hand in in the reserves. But again, it's become more and more difficult because I'm now a professional actor, <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and it's it's just you know making sure that I can still support as best I can, as well as like you know, doing what my new career is. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's also the added bonus. I don't know if this is still the case, but I remember being on Telic One, and one of the the uh, reservist marines with me was on more money than Sergeant Major because yeah, yeah, he had to yeah. match his civvy wage yeah. um, when he deployed. Um, That's so he mobilised. Yeah, yeah, minimal responsibility, maximum pay plus all the bonuses. Yeah. You know, getting those uh, deployments in, you know, those stories and those dits and those experiences. Yeah. but um, and again, it's it's like it's like anything. If you're a credible, like you know, bootneck, and you mm. still got something to offer, then 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 do it. And, I, and I'd say just if if the lads are listening to this, just if you're thinking of like you know changing careers, just 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 do it automatically. Yeah, 
you know what I mean? And just wherever you're going to live, wherever you're going to live in the UK, if you're living in the United Kingdom, then just it's an opportunity you can you can you can you can still be part of it. But also, I think it'll help you massively in your your mm. transformation. No, I agree. So let's talk about the acting then. Let me let me delve in there a little bit deeper. Tell us how that all went. You went to Marjons. You, you know, you've, yeah. you've wrecked this course. You've made your mind up. You're going to pursue acting. Um, how did that go from the beginning? Because we talked about oh, the, the resilience yeah. you've had to build up, even as a steely-eyed ML, 30-year-plus bootneck. But with it, my first day at university, I sort of rocked up. The first decision goes, right, what actually do you wear as a civilian going to university? I'm going, I don't have any uniform, so I'm going, hmm. And luckily, one of my lecturers went, oh, in the old days, in the old days, uh, actors used to wear just blacks when they're in rehearsal space. And I'm going, did they? Okay. So I went straight down to Marks and Sparks and got myself five T-shirts and, and five uh, black uh, sweat bottoms and I know how to uniform to wear to university. So that's my that's my acting uniform as such. But with it, I, I really enjoyed it. There's obviously I was the uber mature student, so the nearest age to me was was uh, 23 years old, which is the same age as my youngest son. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was our, that was the, the gang I sort of went to university with, and it was it, it was an incredible time. I learned so much, and I think I, I didn't. I knew I knew you you had to sort of become an actor rather than you know I know it was natural actors, mm-hmm. but to learn the trade and learn you know the the industry as such was really important. And I and I got that university. I got what you know it, for me. I gone yeah, it did. It, it it's trained me to become an actor, and it put me in good stead. But I think. Because of my life experience and everything else, I was forward thinking. So I was, I was already planning ahead. Okay. Obviously, stage name, moving forward, what you're doing. You, know, it, it, it's really, it's important to keep that plan ahead. And I think as an actor, and I think my young sort of like colleagues at university, it's so hard for young people to get into this industry. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I, I think for me, it should be slightly more easier because there's not a gazillion that age group all piling out of actor training all going for the same jobs in the industry mm-hmm. whereas mine by the time they get to my age normally they've either you know become directors moved on become oh, writers okay, right, blah, blah, yeah. or and there's still you know so there's, there's not as much of a pool of hardened sort of actors but bearing in mind though those people that are there have had like 30 years experience of acting mm-hmm. unlike myself but again I, and it doesn't I don't that doesn't put me off in any way because of my life experience as a Royal Marine black cats in a okay, way or, right. or matches or you know it, that my life experiences do help you know for, for in my acting you know mm-hmm. craft yeah of course but uh, I since then like you know since finishing university it's just keeping going I've got an agent now uh, I'm moving forward I've just finished like you know uh, some film work uh, and again I, I'm just keeping things I've got a obviously going to do international tour we're going to Canada with Soldier On coming up in the next month or so I've got a couple of auditions looking at for plays in the new year and I'm just continually sort of getting cast in for TV work and film work and mm-hmm. I've just got to just, just keep plying my trade and improving my casting and my audition skills and just moving forward with it and obviously if any sort of casting directors listening to the blog <laughs> just Throw us a bone, yeah? Throw us a bone. It's, it's called a podcast, Tommy. It's not oh, a blog. Is it? is it not? You catch up, come on. Well, what's, what, is it, is it blog different, is it? <laughs> we can blog this, maybe, I don't know, we'll figure it <laughs> you're, out. You're blagging it. We're, bla- yeah, we are, we're blagging all milk off too tough. <laughs> just, I just want to go back very quickly, because you just mentioned it briefly. You said a stage name. Yeah. So tell me about that a little bit. I, I know your stage name. Tell our listeners what you go as on the in the theatre, on the stage, on the screen. 
well it's it, my stage name i'm i'm tip cullen and I, that's that's my, that's my professional name now so that you know wherever that that's me i'm tip cullen there's and there's there's credibility behind the name right so tip is my initials are obviously thomas patrick uh when i was young growing up you know when you were playing football or something that would be tp and you know people would go oh tip and that was sort of like the nickname I sort of got. Just okay. not, not a massive one, but it was just that, you know, tip. So it came from your initials. And Cullen was my great-grandfather's name, who I'm named after. My name's his, Thomas Cullen died on the seventh day of the Battle of the Somme in, in, in 1915. Mm-hmm. And strangely enough, when I was doing my equity, you know, with my names, because, you know, it just went round. They said, look, you need to have original name, everything else. That. And I was just going to visit... You know where he died and and the path that he followed on the Somme, exactly where he's he's one of the missing on the walls, and it's an incredible story, and I followed it, and uh, it just hit at the same time. I thought, well, that's it. It's it's a no brainer. You know, I mean, it's it's you know, I did was going to be Thomas Cullen, but um, he's in Downton Abbey, so that's oh, where okay. Tip came from. So Thomas Patrick, it couldn't be Thomas Patrick, so that's where Tip. So and to be honest, I really quite like it. You know, I mean, it's yeah. you know I mean, I've never asked you that before, and I I didn't actually know, and yeah. it is, it's not. The reason I asked is because Tip is not yeah. your typical name, and, yeah. I, and I wondered where it came from. Now I know, so thank yeah. you for uh, for sharing that. But the future, I mean, what are you, what are your goals, ambitions, long term in, in the acting world? Because I've I've been, we, you know, I was up in Sheffield a couple yeah. of weeks ago. I saw you on stage at Soldier on with a couple of other bootnecks. Yeah. Uh, it was phenomenal, and actually, that was my that was my first time to the theatre. You yeah. you popped my <laughs> theatre cherry, mate, and. Um, I was actually embarrassed. I got up. I didn't know there was an intermission because I've never been to the theatre. <laughs> and I got up at the intermission. I said to the lady, because I was like, that can't be the end. What's happened there? And I said to the lady at the door, is, is that finished or, or do we come back to it? No, no, come back in 20 minutes. So I completely embarrassed myself. But thank you for introducing me to the theatre because now, you know, I am a fan. Yeah. Um, my wife is. She, she loves going. So now that's something that we can do together. But what's the future, mate? Um, it's... Again, it goes back to that. You know, those skills we were talking about earlier on about being a Royal Marine. It's mm-hmm. the old, it's focus, persistence, and a sense of humour. All those commandos yes. sort of like, you know, skills and ethos that we require, it, you have to have them because unlike being in the Royal Marines where, like say, your focus and your persistence, you will achieve no matter what. You will achieve. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, you know, barring injuries or whatever else now, but even with injuries, you can recuperate and just keep focus, keep focus, and you will achieve what you want. And I, and I love the Royal Marines for being like that. But uh, in this industry, you can do that. You go a hundred percent, and you'll get to the the sort of like the finishing line as such on a casting thing, and then you'll just be removed for, you know, what I mean, anything. You know, what I mean, so you've got to just build up a resistance an emotional resistance to feeling you know what I mean just go because mm-hmm. again I think a lot of marines aren't used to failing in some way right. so just go right build up resistance like you know if it doesn't happen just put it behind you focus and move forward and for me that that's that's going to be it's my, it's my my career now so and I quite enjoy I have a cheeky little grin because mm-hmm. it, it's it's so unlike well no, in a lot of ways it's so unlike being a Royal Marine but in a lot of ways it's so like being a Royal Marine mm-hmm. but you're your own boss, you've got to move forward, you've got to diversify and be happy to be anything. And I think that's the another bootneck quality. Mm. We are, we sort of like, we can go to any part of the world, 
fit in there and just mold ourselves into right. being what has to be achieved. And then as an actor, that's exactly what you have to do. You you become, you know, a different person to deliver a different role. And I think I don't want to completely flood the industry with former Royal Marines because <laughs> we're all extremely, you know, effective and capable yeah. actors. But it is it's it, it my life experiences suit my new career. And I actually really, really enjoy it. And I think it's that you know when you leave the Royal Marines, that decision of what what am I going to do, which is going to give me the same satisfaction? Yeah, you know I mean, mm. and it, and it's limited, but the same satisfaction and that roller coaster of emotions and environments and everything. I think it does. It fits. You know what I mean? Mm. I, when I left, I wanted to be the postman in Plimpton. I don't realise, <laughs> and, and I don't, which would be a cracking job. But after a week of it, I might get a bit. You know, I mean, maybe there's something else to do. You yeah. know what I mean? But, you know, still, I could maybe do it as a sideline, but yeah. I don't think it's, you know, there'd probably be a bit more commitment. So what would be the the pinnacle of this new career? If you Like you said earlier, you know, you always, for you, the gold standard was an ML corporal. That's, that's, yeah. That was you reaching the top of your tree in your mind. In the acting world, is, is that equate to being a movie star, being a theatre star, winning a certain yeah. type of award? What is the the dream in this new career? I, th- I think it's the dream for the career is sustainability is that okay. you know where I'm, I'm I, I want to get to a level where I'm not chasing the work people are asking me they're knocking your door down yeah I mean mm-hmm. not knocking my door but, but they're, they're going ah I know something so it's it's that and that's sort of like you know the, the move so if I've done that then I know I've achieved so it's mm-hmm. not necessarily you know in winning prizes or anything else not there. again that's just you know, I mean that's like being top of your game anyway mm-hmm. but it's just there's so much wonderful writing out there, you know, for f- film works and and plays mm-hmm. that you just read them and you're going, I want to get involved with that. I want to, you know, what I mean, it's it's incredible, and a lot of it, the stuff I like mostly is 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 real people, real stories, real human beings, you know, believable stories. You mm-hmm. know, what I mean, and yeah, you know, I mean, of course, we all love like you know sci-fi, comedy, everything mm-hmm. else now, but I just really like something that really gets in and and, and gets amongst you know real mm-hmm. people, and I, and I I love that. And it's quite magical. And even even if I'm watching the telly or something, if it's a real, you know, a, a gritty drama or something based on true life, you mm-hmm. can see how people are going through real emotions. And it's got it's got to be believable. And that's for me as an actor. I'm going sometimes people go, I believe that. You know what I mean? And uh, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's just what if if I'm if I'm doing that, then hopefully I'll get my aim, which is just to be yeah, to be in demand slightly. Yeah. Do, do you do that when you're watching TV? You know, because for me, sometimes I'll I'll sit back and, and switch off. Other times, we talked about a film, uh, 71, with, with Jack O'Connor yeah. that I watched the other day, and I was on the edge of my seat watching this film. When yeah. you watch TV now, is it almost like research? Like you're, you're watching an actor and thinking, oh my God, that was amazing how they did that, and they really yeah. got into that character, and that was so realistic. Do you kind of use it as research? And then, Well, I think subconsciously I do. Yeah. But when I'm sitting there with my wife, she'll look at me and say, I'm a spotter. And I'm like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'll have to go, yeah, 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 okay, okay. You know what I mean? But yeah. subconsciously, you're just watching it. But also, it's I, I get quite envy, you know, I'm, I'm envy and going, I could do that. You want to be on there doing yeah, it. Yeah, it's like, it's like when you're watching, and maybe that's probably why, rather than in my life in the core, I was, I was a player rather than a a spectator you know what I mean yes. so most of the things I've done was always a player you know what I mean always, so yeah. so now when I'm even watching a play you know and I love going to the theatre mm-hmm. but watching a play I'll be like going ah you, and you sort of you get mm-hmm. hold of the ball you know and you, and you, you want to you want to be there and be part of it you know so 
I, I, I'm definitely a, a player rather than a spectator and I think I, it, that's my perception in life you've got to be a player rather than a you yeah. don't watch it you got to do, do it you mean, I think you're like that as well yeah, totally mate totally totally get that yeah. Tommy yeah. you are a man of vast experience you know like we said a long time in the core and now <laughs> onto this you've completely switched far into this new career what advice would you give to anybody serving in the core now either if they're if they're happy with their career and they want to crack their 22 plus and carry on whether they're considering going outside and doing something diverse or whether they're already outside and there's something that they really want to do but for whatever reason they're not doing it what would you say to them and what direction would you steer them in it's 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 quite weird that one because i think there's you've got to look at the two angles you mean the one thing is you've got to follow your dreams and do what you want Mm -hmm. to do for me, that was that was the Royal Marines. You know what I mean the yeah. the acting thing sort of like is an evolution that's come from that. But for me, I I don't think I could pursue full time a career doing this if I wasn't you know stable family wise and okay. you know what I mean. So you've got to do your sums in a way. You got to go mm-hmm. right. Can I afford this? What do I? What are my responsibilities? What are my risks? You know what I mean? So, and this is even for a young actor, you know, for for that young Marine does, mm-hmm. does you know, a short time, he goes, I'm going to train as an actor. But when he does that and he goes to university, like anything, he's got to do his sums, he's got to do his ad, and he goes, right, this will cost this, 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 right. and this, this. Just do your sums properly. Anything can be done. you just got to manage it. And you've got to make the sacrifices to meet that management. Mm-hmm. But, and again, and add that, if you've got layers, if you've got family, then you've got to add that and just do it. It's just do your sums mm-hmm. and do your thought processes before you do it. Mm-hmm. But whatever you do, I think it's got to be it's got to be achievable you know what I mean and anything's achievable as long as you you've got that mindset you know what I mean mm-hmm. so it's just got to you know and that preparation and planning everything you do in the core you know your seven p's and everything mm-hmm. do that there and and you will you will you will you will be effective and that measurement just is 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 it how much passion and how much you know focus you can maintain mm-hmm. and give to it you know what I mean so but for any guy uh any person even in the Royal Marines is first thing you do is just join the reserves yeah but that just and it gives you it brokers you that period for your transformation and this is only I'm speaking from my viewpoint yeah yeah it just gives you that time to go right this is it I'm going to be back in there I'm going to focus on a new career this is it it's what I have to do but that gives you that ability to to do that transformation but still pull back if you need to and do it you know and then before you before you leave but also you'll get times there in that period where you can still commit to the Royal Marines and still bring you know positive like effect which is which again is very important and and you still feel worthy then you know Mm -hmm. yep totally that's mate it's been it's been an honour I knew it was going to be a fascinating interview I wish we could talk for a lot longer Um, (laughs) I thought you were going to tell me to to just count it just go just go honestly mate you've been on the list since day one and well we've been back and forth in the text mate and I kept on messing you around a little bit but we finally got it Um, thank you Yeah. thank you mate for for giving up your time today coming over to my house and and recording this and I, I know it's going to uh, it's going to resonate and, and inspire a lot of lads. Like I said, either whether they're serving, yeah. they're transitioning, or they're already outside. Hearing of a man of, of your experience and what you've been through, what you've achieved, and what you do now, um, it is going to help a lot of people. Mate. So thank you very much. No worries. Thanks very much, Mark. I told you. I told you it was an inspiring story. Switching fire that far from big, rough, tough mountain leader 
who climbed all the way to the top in his career to then having the courage to pursue his passion, which, as you've just heard, is going phenomenally well for Tommy. So listen, lads, ladies, anyone out there in the military, if you have a passion that you want to pursue, no matter how you may think it is perceived by other people, if that's what makes you happy, just go out and do it. You know, if a big, roughy, toughy mountain leader, Royal Marines commando of over 30 years has got the courage to go out and pursue his passion, you know, we can all do it. I hope you've been inspired by this episode. I certainly have. Um, until the next one, I will, I will keep trying to find guests who can motivate and inspire. Guys, take it easy. Thank you.